0: You are listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's topic is, The World's Greatest Story. Hello, dear listeners. Thank you for joining me today. This program goes to air at what is probably a convenient time for many, but I'm so glad you've tuned in to hear more from Give Me the Bible today. I hope things have gone well for you in this past week. And even if your week was not so good, just remember, God loves you. This week we will be dealing with the topic, The World's Greatest Story. It's a true story. Most people enjoy a good story. Some stories are made into films, plays or even operas. The thing is though, we human beings enjoy stories. As a child I was given a boy's own type book. It had all sorts of interesting things including quizzes, puzzles, poetry things to make, interesting facts, and, of course, stories. There is one story called The Story Without an End. It made a strong impression on my young mind. I shall relate it to you before we look at the world's greatest story. There was once a king who was bored. He had everything he wanted to and yet he was still bored. Bored, bored, bored. Then one day he had an idea to break the boredom. So notices were placed all around the kingdom, offering half his kingdom, as well as his daughter's, that is, the princess's hand, to anyone who could tell the king a story without end. Consequently, Many came to the royal palace to tell their stories. The king was delighted. Now he could be entertained and his boredom would disappear. The first storyteller was given audience by the king, but after two days his, the story ended. The second storyteller came and he lasted three days. The third one lasted only a day and a half. The fourth storyteller managed to keep going for five days but alas, that story too came to an end. This went on for several weeks but each story came to an end. The king was being kept entertained and did not need to give away half his kingdom nor his daughter, the princess. And then at last came a shrewd young man with handsome features and a twinkle in his eye. After seating himself comfortably in front of the king, he began. There was once a very prosperous king who ruled over a vast kingdom. He was a good king and ruled his people with justice and wisdom. The people loved him. THE KING HAD LANDS, AND PEOPLE WORKED THE LAND FOR HIM. THEY GREW WHEAT, KEPT SHEEP AND CATTLE, AND EVERYTHING AND EVERYONE WAS PROSPEROUS AND HAPPY. THE KING HAD BARNS BUILT TO HOLD ALL HIS GRAIN, BUT THE BARNS WERE NOT BIG ENOUGH, SO A NEW HUGE BARN WAS BUILT AND FILLED WITH WHEAT. The king was pleased as the workmen had done a fine job of building, and especially as no bird, no rat and no mouse could get into the barn to steal any wheat. But one day a grasshopper noticed a tiny hole at the back of the barn. He looked in and saw the hole went right through the wall, to where the wheat was stored. He crawled in and picked up one grain of wheat and then went back to tell and show all the other many grasshoppers what he had found. Then another grasshopper came and took another grain of wheat. Then another grasshopper came and took another grain of wheat. Then another grasshopper came and took another grain of wheat wheat. Then another grasshopper came and took another grain of wheat. Then another grasshopper came and took another grain of wheat. Then another grasshopper came and took another grain of wheat. The storyteller kept repeating, Then another grasshopper came and took another grain of wheat, day after day, until the king shouted for him to stop. YOU HAVE won," DECLARED THE KING. I CAN'T STAND TO HEAR ANY MORE. I GIVE YOU HALF MY KINGDOM and my daughter's hand in marriage. And of course, the handsome young man and the princess lived happily ever after. The world's greatest story is found in the Bible. It is a story of innocence, of a nasty villain, of apparent defeat with death and destruction, of heroism, with the goodies triumphing over the villain and his accomplices. It's a story with victory as its main theme, culminating in something like And They All Lived Happily Ever After. Like the story of the grasshoppers, this story is not finished yet. It has not ended. It is still in progress. And interestingly enough, everyone on the face of the earth is part of it. This is no James Bond story. It is for real and is true. I want to assure you that there are Bible references from which the story is sourced, but this week I'll be not giving many Bible references during the program. There was a kingdom where everyone was happy and loved serving their king, God. The king was wise and gracious and extremely powerful. In the kingdom, that's heaven, there were no disagreements and everyone was in complete harmony. All of the subjects of the king had their assigned tasks to do and they did them willingly and well because they loved their king and wanted to please him. One of the subjects was called Lucifer. His name meant son of the morning. He held a special position and served as chief of the subjects and was always in close association with the king. Lucifer was extremely handsome. Sometimes he wondered what it would be like to be the king and have all the subjects of the kingdom worship and adore him instead of the real king. The more he thought about it, the more he liked the idea. Eventually, the idea became an obsession, and he decided to start a campaign to get the subjects of the kingdom to worship him. But how? he eventually decided to sow some seeds of doubt in the minds of the heavenly beings and get them to wonder if the king really loved them or not. So he began a whisper campaign. When he had a chance, he would whisper, Psst! Do you know that God forces you to serve him? If you go wrong, he will wipe you out. You can't really trust him but you can trust me because I'm like you. If you worship me, I will always look after you. You can trust me. And the whisper campaign grew and grew until many heavenly beings believed the lie and gave their allegiance to Lucifer and not to their real king, God. Of course, the king heard about it and needed to do something about it. Otherwise, there would be total anarchy in the kingdom. If the king destroyed all those who gave their allegiance to Lucifer, the allegations Lucifer made about God would be true. All the other heavenly beings would then only serve the king out of fear, instead out of love. So it was necessary for the king to banish Lucifer and his followers, to send them away so they could not stir up any more trouble in God's beautiful kingdom. They were cast out, about one-third of the inhabitants of the kingdom of heaven. Far away in the universe, in the galaxy known as the Milky Way, was a brand new planet God had created. He named it Earth. It was beautiful and innocent. God had created it very well, and there were animals, birds, plants, bodies of water, fish, insect, flowers, and the first man and the first woman. Their names were Adam and Eve. Although monkeys swung in the trees above, the man and the woman had not come from monkeys because God had made them different. They had a sense of right and wrong. They were the pinnacle of God's creation and they had a powerful desire to worship the God who made them. Each day, in the evening god would come to the beautiful garden called eden this was their home god enjoyed spending time with it, and he talked and walked with them the beautiful garden was huge and there was an infinite variety of fruits and nuts and other n- nourishing tasty things for adam and eve to eat but God warned Adam and Eve to stay away from just one tree, which was in the middle of the garden. Don't touch that tree, and certainly don't eat the fruit that it bears, because if you do, you will die, he told them. So Adam and Eve enjoyed tending the garden and naming the animals, exploring, and enjoying each other's company. They loved each other, but they wondered what the word God used, die, meant. They had never seen anything die. About this time, Lucifer and his rebellious followers arrived. They liked the place, and here... Lucifer could be prince if only he could get Adam and Eve to rebel against God too. If they did disobey God and obey him, Lucifer, then they would automatically become his, not God's, subjects. So he made a cunning plan. He would try to trick Adam and Eve into doing the only thing They were told not to do, and that was to eat from the fruit of the forbidden tree. Possibly Eve, fascinated by a beautiful bird she had never noticed before, and following it, she, with Adam probably coming behind her, ended up at the forbidden tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. We'll take a little musical break here before we go on with the story. Before the break we heard how that Eve and Adam approached this tree that they were told by God to stay away from and there lurking among the branches was Lucifer, just disguised as the most beautiful creature Eve had ever seen. It had bright colours and pretty wings and was called a serpent as well as that eve observed some luscious fruit hanging from the tree it looked good to eat and she longed to try some although she knew it was forbidden and then surprise surprise the serpent began to speak Did not God say you may eat of any tree, of every tree in the garden? Yes, said Eve, but not this one, because God also said that if we eat from this tree we will die. Ha! You will not die, replied Lucifer the serpent. God told told you this because he doesn't want you to know that the eating of the fruit of this tree will make you wise like him. Eve fell for the lie. She took one of the fruits and ate it and gave Adam some to eat as well. Tricked. Lucifer had succeeded. He was now the prince of planet Earth. Adam and Eve did not die straight away, but they did die, and human beings have died ever since. The equation, the law of life and death is simple enough. God's kingdom is a kingdom of love and righteousness, and sin cannot exist in his kingdom. The Bible is quite clear. It says the wages of sin is death. So what was God to do? Should he wipe them out? Should he destroy the beautiful new planet along with Adam, Eve, Lucifer, and his followers? That would certainly get rid of sin and sinners, but it would not get rid of any doubt that any of God's faithful heavenly beings might have about him. God could not reverse the principle, the wages of sin is death. Someone would have to pay the price or there would be no hope for Adam and Eve and their descendants. But God already had a contingency plan. He would pay the price himself. He who was the creator, he who knew no sin, he would take the blame. He would die on behalf of those he had created because they could not do anything about it themselves. Then those who had remained faithful to God could see that their king operated from love and not fear. So Lucifer, delighting in his power and influence, continued to trick people into sinning. By so doing, they were accepting him as their Lord and Master. But God was grieved. He was disappointed that mankind had gone the wrong way. Instead of desiring to do good, people seemed to be obsessed in continually doing what was wrong. At one stage, God attempted to cleanse the earth by a massive flood. But even so, people were drawn into sin by the ever-present Lucifer. He was given a new name, Satan. The rest of the inhabitants of the universe were horrified to see what the effects of Lucifer's rebellion were. But worse was yet to come. At the appointed time, The Son of God came to this planet and was born in the manner of mankind as a baby. He grew up, went from boyhood to manhood. He knew by personal experience what other human beings had to deal with in their lives. He too was tempted by Satan, but unlike everyone else, he did not fall for Satan's tricks. For three and a half years, he taught people how to live. He showed them what God was like. He taught them about the kingdom of God and he healed them of their disease. And then he was murdered and suffered a cruel death, not because he had done any wrong, but because he was God taking the punishment of all the people on earth, taking the punishment for their sins. He met the conditions of the principle, the wages of sin is death. He paid the price. He could reclaim those who had given their allegiance over to Satan. God's character was vindicated. His rule was definitely not one of fear, but of love. But had Jesus, the Son of God, remained in the grave... All that he had done for mankind would have been of no use whatever. But he rose to life again and eventually went back to heaven to be with his father. But now he had a different role. He became the high priest who was and is in charge of the forgiveness department. When people ask for forgiveness, he deals with it. If the people are genuinely sorry for what they have done, they will be forgiven. That is guaranteed. He, the Son of God, Jesus, had taken their punishment and he willingly forgives repentant sinners and wipes their slate clean. Those who are happy to continue in their sinful ways will they have to bear the consequences of their sins themselves. This is the world's greatest story up until the present time. But the Bible reveals what is yet to happen. God is not sitting around watching the clock. He's going through the records of all the people who have ever lived and is judging who will receive eternal life and who won't. The judgment is determined by whoever has accepted Jesus' death in place of their own and have asked for his forgiveness. At the appointed time, Jesus will then come back to the earth to to collect those who are his, that is, the saints, both the living and the dead, who will be raised to life again and he'll take them all back to heaven, the kingdom of God. But the story still does not end at this point. In heaven, the saints will have the opportunity to check out God's judgment, just to make sure that the judgment was fair and proper. When this is done, the earth with Satan and his evil followers will be destroyed forever by fire. There will be no questions about the goodness and justice of God by the other heavenly beings and other beings throughout the whole universe. They will have seen more than enough of the works of Satan. They will have seen the sin, the destruction, the murders, the dishonesty, the disease, the suffering, the death, the breakdown of all that is good, and they will have also seen that it all cost the life of the Son of God. They will have seen that God's rule is governed by love, not fear. They will have seen that the accusations made about God by Lucifer were nothing but lies. Never again would there be any any doubts about God, their king. Then God will make all things new. This planet will be made new. God will clothe the planet with plants and animals again and it will be the home of the redeemed, the saints of God. The Bible doesn't have much to say about what I'm to tell you, but I am of the opinion that the saints of God will always be considered special throughout eternity Because they cost the life of God's own Son. But what the Bible says about this time is, Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor in the heart of man, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. In reality, the world's greatest story has no end, because eternity is infinite. That is, there is no end. You and I are in this story somewhere, and how we will eventually end up will depend on us. God done his part in bringing about a positive outcome for our lives, but it doesn't all depend on him. It depends on us, too. My question for you is, which side will you choose? Will you choose the way of life or will you choose to take the consequences of your own sin, that is, eternal death? I've made my choice. I've chosen the way of life. I've chosen to serve God. I have chosen to accept the substitutionary death of Jesus for my sins. And I really hope you Do the same, dear listeners. So that's it. That's the world's greatest story. I hope you can join me next week. In the meantime, I wish you God's blessings and hope for the future.